0: NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now.
1: All right, we are here on the expo floor in Detroit at NCIA's Midwest Cannabis Business Conference and I'm getting to sit down with some faces I haven't seen in person in a year and a half and and meeting some new faces as well. And who I have in the room with me right now is Chris Jackson from Sticky who is on NCIA's board of directors. And also here from Michigan, right? Welcome Abs- to the show
2: absolutely. here. absolutely. Or, or, or what up, doe? As we like to say in Detroit. What up, doe? Yeah. <laughs> How are you?
1: Oh, doing great. It's, it's really great to be back um, here doing events again. Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're keeping up with all of our safety regulations required by the city and by the TCF Convention Center. So people are masked up. We got the hand sanitizer. Absolutely. But we're back.
2: We're here we're doing it listen we're in person the alternative was virtual and I think everyone got sick of that so yeah whatever we need to do to be around each other I think people just need interaction and that's what we're getting so happy that the first conference back uh is one in you know my hometown not from Detroit proper but from Michigan obviously and happy to say that we're getting people back in the groove of things and setting the tone for the rest of the year so thank you
1: absolutely and and we chose the Midwest region um well, because it's popping off.
2: It is. Yeah. It um, is.
1: Michigan legalized for adult use. Um,
2: 2018.
1: And the dispensaries are open. Yeah. Things
2: are going well. Yeah. yeah absolutely. You know, we, um, most states don't like to hear it. And, and I would say before New York pops off, because New York is going to be a big market, uh, we're probably, if not the number two uh, market in, in, in the United States right now, right, by way of growth and what's anticipated. And, you know, we're half the size, maybe even a third of the size of, of what California is, right? So for, for our state to be doing so well says something about the Midwest and what we can do. Um, generally speaking, and it might change for Ohio, but Michigan is the only open state in the midwest right now when i say open state i mean there isn't a license cap municipalities have the opportunity to decide mm. how many licenses they want to allow for um and they get to make their own rules ultimately right whereas in a state like illinois we call it oligarch states um and it's oligarch because there are only so many and those that are at the top who have most money tend to be the ones to be able to participate right so i'm not saying we have the perfect situation for the quote-unquote little guys in the industry, uh, but I will say that we are situated in a place where, you know, the MRA, another fun fact, Andrew Brisbane, who's our director here, he'll be on a couple of panels, but one of the things that he admitted to is that the, 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 the MRA hasn't, the state hasn't done a good job with what the purpose for social equity actually was. So he, he put together this, this racial task force work group that I was able to participate on. And basically we came out with 16 recommendations to say this is how you can make the industry more equitable. So shouts out to him for even recognizing that something needed to be done. Uh, and they've started implementing some of those recommendations. And so it's been a fun time in Michigan. Uh, the, our stores are doing well too. Uh, it's a retail market right now. So, so things are good.
1: That's great. Um, yeah, Michigan is a really big state, you know, there's, there's the upper peninsula that's too. True. I've got that's some family <laughs> up there, but it's, that's still like 10 hours away. Exactly right. So Michigan yeah. is a very, very big state. Uh, what are some of the highlights or actually I'd like to word it a little differently. What were some of the blind spots around social equity, um, and the solutions that you're proposing in working with Andrew Brisbane here in the state? Just a couple highlights.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So. You know, high level, um, the problem with the equity program wasn't that one didn't exist. So some states don't even have an equity program. Right. Um, but with Michigan, it was literally just a discount on application fees. Um, from my perspective, when you focus on access to land, access to resources, monetarily, primarily. Right. Um, and in education or access to education, If you can build underneath those three three things, that's generally, I think, what social equity applicants need, right? Um, And so most of the 16 recommendations, so certification, Illinois is doing a certification program, Michigan is likely to do one as well, where you can even set the market on how much people, individuals that work at dispensaries or any form of the license or provisioning centers in our case, how much they're actually supposed to make because everyone has the same level of education, Um, And so that's one of those things that you can do indirectly, but also there's just a continuous education from a medical perspective as well as an operational perspective that comes with that. Something that's really exciting, I don't know when this is going to air, but um, on the 27th, there is going to be a, a public hearing for a new license type. The micro business is one that already exists here, which is a vertically integrated license type on a smaller scale, right? But the cap used to be 150 plants which didn't make for a very viable business and one for sure that you can't compete with a company like mine because I have hundreds of options on my shelf at all times, right? The micro business A license is going to allow for an extra 150 plants. So 300 plant count, but it's also going to allow for you to buy mature plants from licensed growers, which you can't currently do in the the state. Uh, And it's also going to allow for you to Uh, get outside um, products from processors, which wasn't in the original license either, which was voted into the referendum in 2018. Um, So that's being proposed, and that's really exciting, and that's one of the things that came out of our racial task force work group.
1: Yeah, that's helpful. I mean, it's one thing to basically discount the licensing fees, but that's just the first hurdle, right? right. There's like everything else, the, the property, the land, as you were mentioning, Um, the investments needed to get your business going.
2: Education for local municipalities, right? I mean, they, they think about a million things, and most of them, when I say them, I mean regulators and legislators, aren't sophisticated enough, right, to be coming up with laws for cannabis by themselves because they have biases that they've had. most of their lives right so the mra is putting together kind of an educational platform and working with local municipalities at that level to help them become more sophisticated it's amazing uh let me switch gears a little bit um
1: it's a fun question but but it's it's always a risky question to ask to look into your crystal ball and make predictions about where the cannabis industry is going in the next couple years and and i say this is a tough question because I, I've asked this question of people years ago, and people thought 2020 last year was the year that we'd have federal legalization. It's true. So not quite the there yet, happened. right? Then a the pandemic happened.
3: <laughs> yes, yeah, no,
1: no. a lot happened last year Absolutely. for sure. Yeah. Um, so given given all that, um, you know, we're still coming out of the COVID 19 pandemic and and what have you, but. If you could look in your crystal ball right now, what's happening in the next year or two in cannabis?
2: Yeah, I think one of the things that we saw here in Michigan is that Gage was purchased by a larger company out of Canada uh, to the tune of $592 million or something like that. That's a lot of zeros. A lot of them. Um, and so half a billion dollars is, is, is nothing to balk at. Now that you saw that first domino kind of tumble, Um, I imagine that everyone is kind of starting to think the same, particularly in Michigan. I think everyone is starting to think the same thing, right? Is it the time to cash in? Because is it going to, is the value of our companies ever going to be higher than what it is right now, particularly when you consider mergers and acquisitions? So a lot of chatter and buzz has been around conglomerates um, coming in and buying, um, maybe not one-offs or two-offs, but. You know, like Gage, you have 10 doors, right? And cultivation, and and you're vertically integrated. Uh, A lot of those companies are starting to sell to larger conglomerates. And these people who are buying family funds, people who have access to income or or money, expendable money, they aren't stupid. Um, They probably have conversations that we don't even have access or privy to with our legislators and others, right? At the top. And so I imagine that. They see safe banking as an opportunity to IPO and be on the stock exchange in America. And so I think that what's happening is there's this rush to build a conglomerate large enough to either get acquired by someone that's gonna IPO or be in a position to IPO when the time comes themselves. And so I I think you're gonna see a lot of that, particularly in Michigan, Illinois. New Jersey, maybe Massachusetts, I think you're going to see a lot of that, um, the, the merger acquisition route toward an IPO in the next year or two.
1: And there's some pros and cons there, but but it does point to how mature our industry is becoming if we're getting to that level, exactly right? right. Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah,
2: You got it. You got it.
1: Well, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes to sit here with me. I hope your conference experience is going well. Um, it's it's just so good to be back.
2: Absolutely. You know, it, it's been awesome. Love seeing people, uh, love seeing the people, love seeing people interested uh, in just seeing what there is to offer, right? That's kind of one of the scary things coming out of a pandemic. I've never been a part of a pandemic. but My first one, too. (laughs) But the scary thing is anticipating what reactions are going to be from licensees and and ancillary businesses that that we try to promote to. Um, And and it's been an amazing feat so far, 9 a.m. this morning. During my panel, it was a, a full house, and it has been ever since then, and so in every other session. Um, so, just really happy to be a part of something special. Um, looking forward to what I can do as I'm the secretary on the board right now, right? So, looking forward to seeing what we can do in leadership, not only to be what we have been as an organization for the first ten years to get to legalization, but now positioning the NCI to be a leader in what happens post legalization and transitioning into being a sustainable, federally legal, um, I guess, industry in totality. And so thank you for all that you do to, to get the word out and, and the folks who um, not only participate, but the many, many people who listen to your voice in the industry um, and, and anything I can do to help. Let me know. Well, any
1: listeners that couldn't make it here to Detroit, there's an opportunity to join us at an even bigger show in December, our Cannabis Business Summit and Expo in San Francisco, December 15th, 16th, and 17th. You can head to CannabisBusinessSummit.com to find out more about that show, and I'm sure I'll see you there, Chris.
2: Perfect time to leave the Midwest and go West. It's during December, so (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: NCIA's cannabis industry voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors.
4: Dazed and Infused. Join sugar industry expert Latham Woodward for a happier hour each week for a lively and often hilarious discussion on the infusion of cannabis into food, beverages, and life. Explore exciting new culinary landscape trends with fascinating friends and guests who are leading the industry into the uncharted mainstream. Discover curated menus, enhanced cocktails, and live tastings. Life's a little sweeter here on Dazed and Infused. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Suggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits.
0: Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice, only on CannabisRadio.com.
1: Hello, we are here at NCIA's Midwest Cannabis Business Conference. It's September of 2021, and after 18 months of not having in-person events, we're back I'm your host, Bethany Moore, with the National Cannabis Industry Association. I'm going to be chatting with a few folks here at the conference. My first guest here is Liz Geiselman from Rocky Mountain Reagents, and she also serves on NCIA's Board of Directors. Thanks for coming to join us. Well, thank you, Bethany. So we're here on the expo floor in our cute little podcast studio. Um, We're halfway through day one, I bet. How's your
3: experience so far here at the show? It has been an amazing experience. Um, the speakers are um, absolutely subject matters and experts in this field, and um, it is just fantastic to see people face to face again in this industry.
1: You betcha. I mean, we we went online uh, to deal with you know social distancing and safety, and you know we are we are really safe here at this conference. We are requiring face masks we have hand sanitizing stations we're encouraging social distancing our aisles on the expo floor are a bit wider how how is your comfort level about how we're conducting this show considering all the safety precautions you know that we take very seriously
3: Um, I have an absolute comfort level with this. Um, you know, it does, it's very apparent that people are very aware of other people's space. Um, and it does feel like everyone is taking their, everyone's safety very seriously. So I'm very comfortable, um, at the show today.
1: That's great to hear. Um, so, Let's talk about your involvement with NCIA generally. I think I mentioned already you're on our board of directors. Um, Why are you involved in NCIA, your company, and even further, on our board of directors to help direct uh, the direction of the organization?
3: Sure. And so my company, Rocky Mountain Regents, has been around since 1951. We are a full-service chemical company, and then our 710 uh, Spirits extraction products are specifically for extraction of cannabis and testing of cannabis. Um, It's an important mission for us because a lot of the chemistry that we had been doing for the past 50-plus years has been around pharmaceutical products and food-grade products. So when cannabis really started to become an important factor and people started ordering chemistry from us, we felt like it was our obligation to educate them on clean chemistry and if we truly are going to use this product as a medicinal par- product that we needed to treat it as such. Um, so it was always our mission to educate um in that space. And then with that obviously comes policy discussions when you're talking to regulators and uh, politicians. And so this just felt like the most natural fit for us in our organization and myself um, to really get that education piece and that policy piece working together um, along with the expertise that we have in the industry. Um, I find that the the National Cannabis Industry Association um, has probably the highest caliber of cannabis professionals than any other organization um, in the industry. And then I'm also, so um, honored to serve on the committee for product manufacturing, uh, which has been a fantastic work group where we put out a lot of fat, fantastic product.
1: Oh yeah, I, I enjoy talking with uh, folks on that committee. We've done a few podcasts already. There's so much really interesting um, thinking around future proofing and standards development. So this nascent young industry is getting a bit more sophisticated
3: for sure. Absolutely. And we, you know, I think that that's one of the things that was the challenge of the last 18 months is that you don't want to stifle innovation, but you want to make sure innovation and safety are going hand in hand. And I think that manufacturing subcommittee really talks, uh, speaks to that quite clearly uh, with some of the product, uh, the work product we put out, terpene limits, future proofing, like you had said, um, and just overall nomenclature, standards. Um, it's a great committee, and I would strongly encourage. I do strongly encourage everybody to join the National Cannabis Industry Association, but also get on those, those subcommittees and also look at those work products because that is kind of the cutting edge of information and technology in this space.
1: Absolutely. Um, speaking of safety and health precautions, uh, it's hard not to talk about COVID-19 right now, um, particularly since even though vaccines are out, we are still very much dealing with this in our lives. Um, thinking back 18 or so months, COVID has impacted many of our businesses in various ways. I um, I actually have a memory of what your company did at the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, right before the lockdowns. Do you want to talk about how COVID-19 impacted your company and in, in
3: different ways you, our favorite word, pivoted? Oh, yes. Um, so, We sell um, 200 proof ethanol to the cannabis market for extraction. Um, Clearly when COVID and isopropyl alcohol pentanes, all of those. But clearly when COVID happened, we had a much greater need for disinfection products. So the ethanol market became very tight. Um, We were very fortunate that we had bought our futures. So we had access to it, but there are a lot of companies that didn't. Um, I can also say that if I ever hear the word hand sanitizer again, I will probably lose it because we had over 600 calls in three days to buy ethanol for hand sanitizer and it became incredibly cumbersome, which we did not sell in that market. I think that, you know, there's been a lot of great things that came out of it, and I, I'd love to put the silver lining to that. We have now delivery in Denver. Uh, operations didn't have to be open until midnight. They could, they could tighten up their hours. Um, we had curbside. Um, so there were a lot of good things that came out of that also, but... Yeah, in the chemical market, it has been um, really, really challenging. And I think in the United States, we think, oh, we're all vaccinated. And so we can run around and do the things. But globally, that is not the case. And so we are still seeing um, really tight supply chains around plastics, solvents, chemistry in general. Um, And they're not expecting that to be alleviated until quarter three of 2022. So that's kind of where I'm always kind of looking to make sure that we are staying kind of ahead of the curve so we can keep our customers operating. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, I, I, yeah, hand sanitizer. I'm I'm over it too. But but thanks for being able to provide some of that to folks as well. Um, if if we look to the future a little bit, um, COVID nineteen has made these impacts like delivery and and online ordering became more prevalent and things like that in order to create safety. Some of these are going to stay for the future, I think, because they worked. Um, are there any other ideas you have about how the cannabis industry will look as we move into the future? I, I hesitate to say post COVID nineteen pandemic world, but as we as we come out of that, what are your thoughts there?
3: Well, I think those those programs. Especially, I'm from Denver, so I can only speak to that, but especially the delivery services, the curbside pickup, the online ordering, I think all of that is here to stay, um, and I think that was a huge benefit to the industry. Um, moving forward, it's really hard to say. I think it's the innovation, um, the nutraceuticals, now that uh, the DEA has finally allowed us to do research on product we're actually growing, <laughs> um, I think we're gonna see a lot more innovation coming from that, and I think that all came out of the FDA and and the DEA is saying, okay, okay, okay. Fine. Do what you guys want. Just leave us alone for a little bit. So I'm hoping that that's kind of how this goes. Um, I think the biggest impacts for cannabis is just to, for businesses is just to watch that supply chain. If you have very custom packaging, if you have very custom, you know um, things that go into your product especially food products um like uh you know guar gums xanthan gums all of these citric acid these types of things that you would put in your gummies um, just make sure that you are uh, vitally aware of that supply chain because those things are tightening every day um, i had four four meetings last week with supply chain um, and it is, it is a, a brutal market over in China, coming out of China, India, Taiwan. Um, it's brutal right now. And so we just need to make sure that you can keep your businesses rolling um, through this while the rest of the world catches up.
1: Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, thinking ahead for the future and, and protecting your, your business, um, not just today, but tomorrow as well, seems to become uh, a, a huge, uh, goal and focus. Um, you know, cannabis, we, we tend to try to keep up because the regulations, what's the joke? They change every five minutes, or, you know, there's always something new to stay on top of. Um, so being able to actually think to the future and plan for the future um, is a great spot to be in and, and to know what those risks are. More generally speaking, um, you know, this morning, our CEO and co-founder Aaron Smith and our government relations deputy director, Michelle Rutter-Freeberg, opened up the conference with a conversation about the current federal state of cannabis, Um, the various bills, uh, the Slow Moving Safe Banking Act, the MORE Act, the Cannabis Administration and Opportunity Act. Um, Given all of that in the current state, Um, some, Michelle said she really doesn't like those crystal ball questions, but that's what this is. If you could look into your crystal ball, uh, to make a prediction about the cannabis industry for the near future, what comes to mind for you?
3: Well, I think you're exactly right. There's a lot of policies in front of the feds at Capitol Hill right now, but... It doesn't feel like there's movement and obviously they have a lot of things going on coming out of the pandemic that are probably taking priority. I don't have a real optimistic view federally as to what we're what's going to happen or or that anything is going to happen in any time frame. Um, But I do think as the cannabis industry, we need to start supporting candidates that support us rather than just sending lobbyists to bark in their ear, I think we need to really uh, look at this. And I think that the ancillary market in particular, given that that's where I come from, um, needs to be aware of this too. I I think that the MSOs and the big operators, they understand because they're watching the regulation all the time, but a lot of these these um, instrumentation companies, uh, finance companies, they're not watching it to that same degree. And so they also need to be contributing into a fund that we can start really looking at candidates that support us. And I think in in smaller communities, we need to be looking at um, having cannabis um, packs or um, money funding for mayors, city council, county commissioners, and really build a bench from that place up rather than just like throwing a senator up to cap hill. But this is the only way that we're going to do this. We have to come back to a grassroots model where we are showing and teaching our city councilors, our mayors, our county commissioners, our police chiefs that this is okay, this is safe, and we can do this. And we need to do it by funding the right candidates in those spaces.
1: That is so crucial, um, both at the micro-local level, state level, state uh, city level, as well as the federal level, which NCIA focuses primarily on. And we do have a, a PAC, a political action committee, for those specific candidates. Um, you know what I miss? Lobby days. Do, do you miss lobby days? Miss going to D.C. with three or 400 cannabis professionals and... Getting blisters on your feet walking around the House and Senate buildings, and just hanging out with you know Earl Blumenauer and Jared Polis, and uh, I, I, I that that event that NCIA does, uh, I can't wait for us to be able to safely host that event again, um, as as we are a conduit and um, liaison for the cannabis industry to to these folks. So of course, getting involved in NCIA and seeing what our government relations team is up to is is a great way to move this along.
3: Oh, I agree. I, I look forward to getting back to D.C. very much. Um, I, I got involved with cannabis uh, because not only my company, but I have been a policy wonk for 18 years. Um, and so that is kind of that's where I love to play, (laughs) you know, people play fantasy football, I play fantasy policy. So um, that's, I can't wait to get back to DC and and really have these conversations one on one again.
1: Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking a few minutes to sit down with me. And I I know you've got some panels to go to and some booths to, to check out and some people to talk to. So I'll let you get back. But any final thoughts?
3: I just wanna thank you guys for everything that you've done with this conference. I know it was incredibly tricky in the logistics coming to a place with the, the, the restrictions and, and getting people in the door. I know that was a very, very difficult lift. So I wanna thank you guys for doing this. And I also wanna thank you very much for bringing Calvin Johnson Jr. Megatron from the Lions because I got to meet him and take a picture with him. And I just think he's amazing. So um, I love his brand and what he's doing. So this has been a fantastic, um, a fantastic conference here in Detroit.
1: It's kind of like you got to combine the fantasy football with the cannabis policy. I know. It
3: was like my world collided. It was amazing.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Liz, for sitting down with us. And and thanks for your involvement with NCIA. I hope you have a great time at the rest of the show.
3: Thank you, Bethany. You as well.